Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat to some interesting figures and leading lights in this wild and crazy industry of self-publishing that we are in. And today we are delighted to have a very special guest with us. It is Rosalind Tate, who is a, a very great fantasy author of the Shortened Chronicles, and she's here to talk to us about her a really interesting journey towards becoming a successful author and on all of the steps along that journey that it took. And I'm really excited to listen to this because I think a lot of people are going to find it very, very inspirational. So Rosalind, thank you so much for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. It's good to be here. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing great. Thanks, Roland. Uh, welcome, Rosalind. Yeah, I, you know, it, uh, you had contacted me about your sort of your writing journey, and and um, we thought it would be interesting the, to chat because a lot of authors think of um, you know there's maybe one path to success. If they're not immediately successful, uh, they you know they give up or they you know they sort of uh, get discouraged. Um, but you know, there's there's all sorts of different paths to success. And uh, when you are writing, uh, and you had said this to us sort of earlier, um, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So you you your success builds as you grow and as you continue in your career. And, um, you know, you only started writing a couple of years ago, right? So or, uh, I think you said 2020, is that right? Oh, no, that's when I published oh, um, oh, that's when you published. Okay. I thought I wrote my first book. Um, it took me five years to write it. Well, and that's so, fine, right? But but you're published. You didn't publish it till 2020. Correct. Right? Yeah. Right. And now here we are, and uh, you've sold already 15,000 copies, uh, a million pages just on book one alone. Um, and so you know that's that's pretty good success, you know, by any metric. And in just a couple of years with only three books behind you, I think that a lot of authors would um, would love to have those kind of results. So we wanted to talk to you about your journey and how you got there and what you've done and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So five years. So what, tell us all about that. Okay. Um, first of all, though, I'd say that the great thing about being an indie is it's not a one shot thing. So if you make a mistake or um, you don't sell as many as you thought you were going to do, or you wrote the wrong sort of thing, it's not the end of the world. You, you can start again. You can change. Um, and I, I'd love to say that I got it all right and I was just knowing exactly what I was doing. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> so um, basically, I've always wanted to write vaguely, um, but things got in the way, you know, family, career. Um, and then I thought, no, if I'm going to do this. I, I really am going to do it. And uh, so I thought, right, I got, this, I got this idea in my head. And I was very excited and I wrote it and I thought, right, I'll just send it to a dev, an editor um, just to check, you know, a couple of typos or whatever. And I got this report back and it was pages and pages. And I could just summarize it, really. This is utter rubbish. You need to go away and learn how to write a book. I thought, how can this be so? I've read thousands of books. But after I got over the shock, um, I went away and learned how to write a book. Um, and after a lot of editors, um, I finally um, got to the finished product after five years. Um, I learned that editors are like frogs. You have to kiss a lot before you find your prince, or in my case, my <laughs> princess. Um, she got the book. She's incredibly fierce. She's passionate about editing. Um, and she refused to let me get away with anything. 
which is great. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still with her. Um, so I wanted to do it right uh, from the beginning. And I thought, right, I'm, I'm, I must learn how this works. Um, I'd originally wanted to go trad. Um, and like everyone, I thought that was how it was. I knew nothing about the publishing industry. Um, and the reason why I went indie was that about four years before I published, I wandered into Festival of Writing in York, which is in the north of England. And there was this workshop about self-publishing. And I thought, yeah, yeah, vanity publishing. And I sat down and within about 15 minutes, my jaw was on the floor. And what was sent to my jaw to the floor was the maths. And maths doesn't normally do that for me. But it was the royalties <laughs> between traditional and um, indie publishing. I thought, my goodness. But the other thing that made me change my mind about not querying was um, a lady who was already traditionally published and was looking to get out because she wasn't happy. Um, so that's why I sort of really fixed on indie publishing. But I then started to realise that there was an awful lot to learn. Um, I did uh, Mark Dawson's um, 101 course. I think it's called Launchpad now. They just changed the name. It's a big course. It took me six months to work through step by step. But I did everything I should do and I got on with it. And I set up my mailing list. And I put my link in the back of the book. And I put my website up. And I thought, yes, I'm ready to go. And I published. And nothing happened. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh, what's going on here? I had a, a promo list um, uh, a newsletter lined up, um, wasn't expensive, uh, didn't require reviews, uh, book doggy. I had 12 sales. And I thought, oh, that's really good, really good. I've got to do something else. And then I realised, um, and even though I knew rationally, one part of my brain knew that I had to market, knew that I had to advertise, I thought I was special, that I was different, that somehow lightning would strike and people would find the book. Of course they didn't. So I then had to sit back and think, right, what am I going to do? Um, and one of my author friends said, look, it's very competitive, not going to make any money. You need to have an alternative strategy. So I did a business plan, in inverted commas, and I decided visibility was what I needed. I wasn't going to make any money. I just had to invest in this business. Um, and that's what I started to do. Um, it was just a bit of a shock, really, the sort of reality of it when it, when it goes up there and, and nothing happens. Um, I wanted to stick with my story. I knew it was a good story and my editor believed in it as well. Um, and it was at that stage, um, just before I published, actually, just before I published, that I looked at the Amazon categories. And I realised with hindsight, I should have looked at the Amazon categories before I decided what I wanted to write. <laughs> but it was too late. I was committed to this. And luckily for me, time travel romance is a thing. Time travel is a thing on the genres. So what I did right was get um, the appropriate cover that said fantasy, time travel, portal, either a door or a mirror. Um, and I did the three covers together. Um, I had them done. I didn't do it myself. I can't draw for toffee. Um, and I wanted to have a cohesive brand because I, I knew I had to write a series. So I got the covers sorted out. Um, and then I thought, right, how am I going to do this? Um, so I looked at social media, as you do, because you think you've got to do social media. And um, I realised after about two months that I was wasting my time, in my opinion. I hadn't realised that Facebook and Instagram were monetized. So when I sent my post, which were beautiful posts, to my 34 followers, my 34 followers saw them again and again, and again because Facebook wouldn't push them because I wasn't paying <laughs> Um, so that was a great weight lifted on my mind. Didn't have to worry about that. So I post about four times a year. Um, 
And my followers in Facebook only started to go up when I started testing uh, Facebook ads. But I was relaxed about that. I thought, right, I'm going to get on and just do everything step by step. So I learned about bookweb ads and I tested them for about six weeks, really $5 a day. And it took me a while to get the right picture, the right comp authors. Um, but I think messing about with bookweb ads um, played quite a role in me getting a bookweb deal February after I published. And um, for anyone watching this who doesn't know what a bookweb deal is, it's a really big deal. Um, I thought it was a practical joke when I got the email. Um, so that really, really helped. Um, and that's what really started the sales, I think. Um, of course, BookBub is a, is, has lots of readers who love bargains. So it's not kind of you can't do all year round advertise with BookBub. So I looked at the other two pay for, to click things. Right. Click to pay rather. Um, Facebook. I'd had bad things about Facebook. Well, having the account chat. So I thought, no, I'll just do Amazon ads. That must be easier. No. <laughs> I was I tell you, I was spreadsheet girl. I tell you, Excel, pivot tables, uh-huh. really. And after five months, I, I know how Amazon works and how it doesn't. <laughs> and I should have waited till I had at least four or five books out. Um, for me, it was expensive and inefficient. I, it did drive sales. I, it drove an unknown number of organic sales. But I realized that for me, with just two or three books out, it, it was not sustainable. Um, I sp- had lucky enough to have a one to one chat with Janet Margot. Uh, she actually set up the Amazon ads. Um, on Amazon and she's very generous with time and she talks to people like me um, and she looked at my um, Amazon dashboard and said oh yes oh yes absolutely fine absolutely fine I said look I said I'm I'm aiming I'm, I'm targeting these ASINs the ebooks only of my comp authors I'm getting no impressions what, what am I doing wrong the bots must know that this is my top comp author and Janet goes no they don't know what why should they know I'm going I, I thought they did know so I don't know what actually the mechanics of it are, but it is mysterious to me still. Um, and I think it's sometimes there is an element to just keep on going with it. But I decided to stop doing Amazon ads and concentrate on Facebook ads. I'm still testing them. I'm still doing five dollars a day. Um, and it is a depressing thing that you do probably have to pay for paid advertising. And what I'm finding difficult is that it's the testing which costs money. Yes, it's only five dollars a day. But you're obviously paying five dollars a day to find out which ads do work and which ones don't. Um, but I think it's worth it because I go to conferences now in person as well as Zooming and people say, no, you need to keep on with it until you find the best combination and, and then scale up. So that's the scale. That's the sort of state sort of um, where I am now doing that. Um, the, the other thing I would say is it you get to the stage where you had this wonderful excitement publishing your book and then you find you're actually doing the marketing in the afternoon writing in the morning and when you're doing the marketing in the afternoon you think this is a job <laughs> this isn't a hobby anymore this yeah. is a mm-hmm. job and there are some bits I like and some bits you know I don't like and I've just had to accept that I will never know what I'm everything I will never know really what I'm doing so I was really pleased with my mailing list for example I had 2,000 people on my mailing list and then I read your email, Hidden Gems, about people who buy books as opposed to people who never buy books or on your mailing list. And I thought, hmm, I think I'd better check that. And I did check it and I gave them a chance to, to keep on keep keep on the Readers Club, my list. 
um, or unsubscribe people who weren't clicking, who had never clicked, not even on the free book to join the Readers Club. I've now got 693 people on my Readers in my Readers Club. But at least you know the good ones. Yes. Yes, but it was a bit of a soul-destroying exercise, but I I am glad I did it, obviously. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes, you're always learning. Yeah, and and the thing is with with the lists, like you're probably using a service, right? Like Mailchimp or or one of those Analyze. kind of things. Yeah. yeah. So you're paying for the size of your list generally, right? So you yeah. don't want I, even aside from the fact that they're useless and they're not clicking on things or they're not buying or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's costing you money to send them yeah, emails, exactly. right? So yeah. it's always good to clean that list uh, and keep it. You know, no, I got the complacent. Best. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, listen. You started with what thirty-four people on your list, and now you were at no, no, thirty-four on 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 the fa- following me on Facebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> but still, I mean, you know, everyone starts at zero on their mailing list. You got to two thousand people, like that, you know, and now you're at seven hundred. When you launch another book, that's seven hundred people that would hopefully hopefully buy it, uh, you know, or close. You know, obviously not everybody, but a lot of them will, which will help yeah. your 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 ranking right away, right, and sales and money. And I, I I didn't follow my own advice. I, I knew I had to be patient. I knew I should grow it organically. Um, I use book sweeps as well as um, get people signing up from my website and back of the book. And I've found book sweeps absolutely excellent. A lot of them do stick around. Um, but I was tempted by another email from another site. I thought, oh, okay, I'll try them. And um, I, I knew I, I should have known there was something wrong when they I downloaded the list of emails. There was three thousand, and I thought, "Gosh, that's quite a lot of emails." And as I say, a very small percentage are still around, so that was a mistake. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to get your list filled with people that are interested in your book specifically, whether they're buying it or not, right? Because as as that article uh, that we posted um, by by Roland um, said, is like there is value to the people that don't buy your books that but they still like it right you can use them for other things right as part of your art team as your street team you know there's all sorts of different ways to use those people but um when you're marketing when you're building if you do decide to go to a facebook uh advertising you would use those people that are buyers to build out your lookalike list and um then you know that that's how you optimize for facebook right there's a lot to unpack there, though. I mean, thanks for, for giving us all that um, that background on how it all went down. So how so it took you five years to write that first book. Yes. And, which is, hey, listen, that's the way it works for most, I think, people. You, you spend a lot of time uh, figuring it all out. But obviously, since you're, you published first published two years ago and you now have three books, it didn't take five years to write books two and three. So you clearly improved, right? Yeah, I still make mistakes. Um, I'll tell you a secret now. I'm sure nobody else is watching this. Um, I was so rubbish. <laughs> I did. Book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. That's oh, I, no one's watching it. <laughs> I was so rubbish with the first book that I actually, the first book was like um, 200,000 words. And I realized I had to cut it in two. And so Rosalind thought, oh, that's fine. I'll just cut it in half. But of course you can't. You've got to have the character arc and all the rest of it. Um, it's so, so, funny, so people be... don't appreciate that. So many people <laughs> say that they're like, "Oh, well, you just put the book into two halves," and it's like, "Are you yeah. aware that there is such a thing as a story circle where they, you've got to have the arcs, and they've got to have a satisfying conclusion? You can't. It's not a lump of sausage." 
So I managed to do it, but it, and, and I was basically re-editing it. I was, I was editing the second book, so that it didn't take me too long. And the third book was easier. It, do, it does get easier, uh, I think. And I'm sure, you know, when you gave it to your editor, she wasn't like, with the third book? This is rubbish. <laughs> you know, she, no, she didn't. It wasn't like the first time. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, just like with publishing, the writing part gets easier, the publishing gets easier, the marketing gets easier, the more you do, um, the more you learn. It's a constant, like you said, it's a, it's a job, right? It's a full-time job. And that's one of the reasons why some people still decide, hey, even though I'm not going to make as much, nearly as much money, um, I'll go the trad route because I don't want to do the work all that work. Although these days, a lot of the trad publishers are pushing some of the work back onto the authors anyway, some of the marketing and, and, and advertising and all that. But um, in general, you know, you, it is a full-time job. You got to learn that stuff that that course took you six months to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big course, like, uh, you know, and, and it goes through everything and, and clearly it taught you a lot of things and it was worth it. But um, you know, it's a commitment. It's a full-time commitment sometimes. Uh, actually, are you writing full-time or do you have, a, you know, a separate job? I have a part-time bookkeeping job. Um, and it is very part-time. It's about two days a week. So I can't cling to that as an excuse <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is most it is pretty full-time. And I, I'm not averse to traditional publishing at all. Um, and I think for some indie authors, you know, way down the line, if they're already successful, um, I can see why they would accept, for example, a print-only deal like Bella Andre. Um, yes. Um, and sometimes the decisions are very difficult. Um, so I was approached by a, a traditional, um, very well-known audiobook publishing um, company. And I, I spent a long time in my past life. I was a lawyer. I, I read the contract. We negotiated. Um and I was really conflicted because I thought if I if I do if I give them the audiobooks, um, I lose control of it. Um, so in the end, I didn't go with them. I, I used a, a UK local to me um, uh, company, Chatterbox. Um, they they deal with people from America and everything else. So I still now have the rights over the audiobooks. But it was a difficult decision. It wasn't a sort of no brainer at all. Well, like it you said, like you, you made the right decision. Yeah, and you said I'm you so, went to that. Um, that conference or whatever and, and and heard about the math and that's kind of what it um breaks breaks it all down is when people look at the numbers and be like oh i can earn this much more by self-publishing than i can by publishing as long as i'm willing to do the work and learn stuff and like you said vanity publishing you know people our age are um, familiar with that concept and it, it sort of like uh, soured a lot of people on what self-publishing was when 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 Amazon turned it into more of what it is now mm-hmm. um, but you know newer people not newer <laughs> younger people people that uh, aren't as familiar probably aren't even aware of that so I think you know there's there is still from from an older generation there I think there is still a bias towards um, the trad publishing because of the damage I think that that vanity publishing did to sort of the the idea of self publishing. Um, but I think as you know, time goes on, you know, there is no, vanity publishing doesn't really exist anymore. It shouldn't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some people out there still falling for stuff like that. But I mean, you, there's no reason for it anymore. 
So I don't think it's it's a thing that um, that really sours people on the idea of self publishing. So as time goes on, I think it'll it's just being accepted more and more as mm. like just the way the one way to do the business, maybe a better way to do the business. Right. Um, so yeah, you. I think you definitely went the right route. Well, my opinion. <laughs> And, and you, it's funny, you're so self-deprecating, but like, like I'm listening to your journey and it's almost like a mirror of the journey that I went on and everything oh, really? you did wrong, you, you did right. Because you have to learn how to do these things and you can only learn by trying and failing and then trying something different and failing and then trying something different and being slightly more successful. And I think you've just had a prodigious amount of success with three books. I mean, 15,000 people chose to buy money, to spend their money on your yeah. book, even though they it's not because they, they knew you. It's not because they uh, they were doing you a favor or anything. They saw your book and it interested them enough that they parted with their own money for it. And I think I think that's amazing. So I think you should be very proud of yourself. And I'm sure there are lots of aspiring authors listening to this podcast going like i want to get to fifteen thousand people and it's yeah and, and you did everything right in that there's i always believe that anybody has the potential to be a successful self-published author if they learn the craft of writing that's the tricky bit and then follow the process of successful self-publishing which you did and you know advertising might not have worked for you but your launch strategy very clearly did working with bookbub very clearly did you found your own route and that's amazing and that moment, I mean, I, I can remember it now, even more than um, getting the proof physical copy in the post was the first email that I received from a reader. And it was I'm a doctor in Chicago. And they said, oh, uh, your book took me away from COVID. You know, thank you so much. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I then came home that, that, that this person had read my book. I didn't know them. You know, I hadn't slept with them. I wasn't related to them. <laughs> and they'd read my book, you know. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that that incredible? Yeah. 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 That's one of the most gratifying things. You know, sure, we need the money. We want the money. We, you know, we do, some of us do it for the money. But at some point, when you get that feedback and you hear that somebody enjoyed your book, it it was an escape for them. And so much so that they even reach out to you and tell you, you know, there's, there's really nothing better than hearing that to an author, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's almost like an incredible privilege to think that like these people, I, everyone always dismisses, you know, uh, people who don't pay for books and they always download the books. But when you buy a book, you basically have to buy it twice. You buy it with your money and then you have to buy it with your attention, spending the time to read it. And so to imagine 15,000 people not only gave you money, but also sat down and read the book. They gave hours of their life to follow the journey that you sent them on, which is like it's mind blowing when you think about it. I always think it's like it's just a piece of paper. It, in, in essence, it's a dead tree until somebody and, and each reader. I don't know how this happens, but each reader sees something slightly different in it. And when they start reading any book, it, it comes alive. It becomes real yeah. to them. Um, so it, it becomes manifest in the world, if you like. But it's interesting. It's slightly different for them. And yet it's the same. I I heard someone describe it as meditating in someone else's mind, which I've always loved (laughs) because you conjured up this story. And then 15,000 people have walked the path that you imagined. And it's and that's an incredibly intimate experience when you think about it. It's like they've been inside your head. But that's why this is the hardest thing. (laughs) No, that is why this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Because mm. they are inside your head, 
And that's why it's, you don't want to be personal. The book is in the end of life, it, it, it is a product, but it isn't really because it's come out of your head. You, you, you're putting yourself out there. Um, so it is very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're standing in judgment of people, you know, that read your book and they, whether you filled it with personal anecdotes or it's just, it's your personal writing and it's your expression of your ideas. If people don't like it, that's why a lot of authors take that personally. Right. And, and when they like it, we also take it personally (laughs) and, you know, it's it's uh it's it's great when when they like it and it's hurtful sometimes when they don't but you know you you learn eventually too that you're never going to please everybody and there's always people that don't feel the same way don't like the same things and so you got to sort of eventually learn to let the the bad reviews or the people that don't like it uh roll off your back but that that definitely isn't an easy thing <laughs> but it sounds like you know that's not that's obviously not the the majority right so you you got people buying it and can you can you have you looked at the numbers to um be able to tell what your sort of your read through is um you know whether or not people are going at what rate people are going from book one to book two to book three yeah um it's quite interesting actually there's a big difference between the k the kindle unlimited read through and the buy b read through um the kindle unlimited read through is 60 percent, which is fabulous obviously um, but the buy read through is 20, 27, 28 percent from book one to book two at the moment. Um, which are is, you including the free giveaways in that or is that no, just no, the, um, the free the free giveaway is a short story, which is exclusive to my list, to my readers club. And it's never going to be on sale anywhere else. Um, and it basically if you read the first book and then you read the prequel, um, you see the first book in a different light. I wanted to, I wanted to give my people who joined my list actually wanted to give me my their email. I wanted to give them something exclusive and special um, because they're obviously very important to me. Right. I mean, go, going back to what you were saying about sorry. Oh no no go ahead go ahead you were going to say something. And going back to what you were saying about um, in your head. I mean, I always thought it was this fancy thing like the author's voice, but I realised it wasn't. And my sister said to me, "When I read your book, it was like you were talking to me." I think, oh, right, okay. So she recognised it was me, and she would have known it was me, even if she hadn't known it was me. I, I think you can't help but make books personal. Even if you're, like, the most cynical person, you consider books products, and you're, like, following the thing, you ha- end up having to put parts of yourself in just to fill the gaps. I mean, if you're going to say, oh, I'm going to write a big city romance, then you're probably going to think of a big city that you've been to. And then you're probably going to go to the places in the story that you went to. So you can try and be as detached from it as you you want to be. But at the end of the day, you can't help but see everything through the filter of your own experiences. Yeah. And you're going to have, you know, your own personal views on things that are going to come out that way. I mean, unless you're really consciously trying to write a book that is completely different than what you personally feel um, or that the characters are different than you and 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 different than everybody you know like there's that's not generally how it's done we we draw from our experiences the people we know that are and and the characters mirror sort of how our we see ourselves or how we want to see ourselves or how you know what our belief systems are um you know other than when you're writing a villain or something hopefully hopefully <laughs> but uh but like yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> well, right but hopefully they're not mirrors of yourself i don't know right but uh 
but yeah, like I think you know that's that's why it is it is so personal when you know people like it, dislike it, right? Um, so when you did the first book, you did the second book at the same time, sort of, right? Because you you kind of ended up. I mean, obviously, yeah, you didn't chop it in two. You, I'm sure there was a major rewrite there, right? Where you had to, yeah, you took it and. and so what was the time between book one and book two? Um, I, I was so busy. Sorry, I was so busy after the publication of book one. I literally didn't start looking at book two till after I published in the October book one. I didn't start looking at book two till after Christmas because I was doing loads of stuff to try and market book one. Um, and I know people say you shouldn't market book one, but I wanted to. I wanted it to be in the top um, 50 of my subcategories. Uh, so visible. Um, and then I started, um, and then I sort of got into a, into an expectation thing with my readers. I, if I couldn't read any, write any faster, I knew I should just make them expect it once a year in October. So I published the second one in October, and I had slightly uh, more time to do it with book three, uh, October just gone. Um, I'm hoping to write a bit faster, but... No, I, I think that. you did that... <laughs> I think you just, you, that was a great strategy, right? If you release book two right away, then they'd be like, where's book three? Give me book three. You know, they'd be really, uh, you do, you definitely want to set expectations for that. And, uh, you know, if it slips a little, it slips. So, so the third one just came out in October. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, October yeah. the 10th. Yeah. Right. So but, most of those numbers then are from just the first two books and you're just yeah. sort of starting that process of marketing and everything for book three. And it's hard. I, I mean, I don't know. So did you say that people said you shouldn't market book one? Um, I think it's a divide, divided opinion. I mean, I know David Goffron, I shouldn't um, name him in vain, but um, I know that some of the experts in inverted commas uh, think that you're basically just wasting your money because that you've got nowhere for the readers to go on to. Um, if you haven't if you haven't published book two, and I understand that. Um, and I was basically hoping that my readers would hang around um, for book two. Um, so they are, shouldn't. Yeah. They're saying you you don't. Uh, they're not saying don't uh, market book one. They're saying don't market it before you have book two or book three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then you market book one, hoping they move on because it's hard to, especially in a fantasy series where I assume that the books are not standalone, right? Um, the, it, it's tough to market book two or book three when you know you're you're really unless you you send it out to your your personal readers you know that they've read one and two but when you try to actually advertise it to find a new audience you can't really start with book two or book three because they you know they have to start at the beginning right yeah I, I wasn't very clear what I meant was um, some people think that it's not worth when you've only got the one book out trying to um, market book one if you haven't yet got book two published I don't advertise book two or book three generally speaking I only advertise book one um, because you are advertising book two and three by advertising book one it's the only advert that's really going to work isn't it yeah and I I don't know personally I don't really agree with that advice I think oh. the problem with that is um, if I was a reader and I stumbled upon a series, uh, you know, book two came out and book three, whatever, and there's no sales on book one, you know, I'm going to be like, I don't know, nobody, nobody cared about this for book one. You know, why would I, <laughs> why would I start now? Right? I, I think that's a fair point. I mean, you say, you know, people recommend not advertising if you've only got one book, but okay. So forgetting about making your money back in a profitable advert. Maybe you want to advertise it to get it ranking, to get it um, 
uh, rooted out into Amazon infrastructure to get reviews, to just get people joining your mailing list. I mean, okay, you might not be getting a return on your investment in terms of immediate cash, but in terms of a long-term investment, it could be huge. Right. And you're, and you're getting those people. And if those people like your book, they're going to still be there for book two, right? Especially if they joined your mailing list and you have a way of contacting them. So it's not wasted effort. Um, you're still, you're still going to be able to use, use those people, but you know, it's just a sort of more of a delayed um, result. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I personally don't really agree with that advice, but <laughs> um, okay. So it's interesting too, like you, you did the book Bob Az, which I know a lot of people sort of, um, I think there is a little, lot of division on whether or not or how well those work. Right. I don't know. Uh, Roland, have you even really tried any book Bob Az yourself? I, I know of some people uh, and who've been very successful with book Bob ads, but it's uh, got a difficult learning curve in terms of you actually have to spend quite a lot of money testing different authors to see how they resonate. Uh, and you also have to always have your book in a deal. BookBub people go to get a deal. So unless you are giving a book away free or have it at 99 cents or something, it's very difficult to get traction. So I wouldn't I, I think there are authors it works extremely well for. I don't personally use it because it doesn't work so well for me or my strategy in terms of that. Right. But but it, it's an interesting idea. I don't know if it's if it's true or not, but um, the idea that if you use BookBub ads, you're more likely to get a BookBub uh, feature um, deal, which is, like you said, the holy grail of of uh, advertising marketing efforts that every author kind of <laughs> strives for. Right. They They have this enormous list of millions of, of readers that will buy your book. And because of that, it's very expensive, but also it, uh, it's very hard to get onto, right? They, they are very um, picky about which ones they accept. So it's great. And it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, that's kudos to you that you got one. Um, but, it, but it's actually, <laughs> yeah, two, two, even better. But, but I, 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 I'm curious whether that's true about the idea that mm. you got them because you had the, uh, the ads running or that was just a coincidence. I think the only way that could be is maybe your ads inspired people to follow you on BookBub. And then when BookBub saw you had so many followers, that's when that might have made a difference. But it could just be the BookBub, who are highly selective, picked your books because they're good. Well, maybe. The other yeah. factor could be that it's it, it was in a small category, time travel romance, um, not fantasy. Um, so it is easier, I believe, to get into the smaller categories. Um, Ooh, I yeah, that makes yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, they of... could they could be doing something where they're looking at um, you know the 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 offers that are coming in, and then they're cross referencing it with whether they have a an ad account and how much they spend, and and using that as one of their criteria. It certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense for it to be the only criteria. Otherwise, people with you know crappy books can just start a few book club ads and then apply and then get you know get selected. So obviously there there is also the idea that your book was good enough for them to select so for sure you know so that's mm-hmm. great so how many like how many i guess at that time you probably discounted it to 99 cents right or free right 99 cents so uh how many sales did you get from that um promotion do you remember um or ballpark um i got a lot more sales the day after the deal 
um, as opposed to the day, the day itself. I think it was 700, 900. It wasn't you know, massive by BookBub standards. But what I found the first time particularly was the tail was really long. Um, yeah. I wasn't doing anything and it was still selling and I, and I, I wasn't doing anything at all. Well, okay, so there's probably a couple of reasons for that. One being that, um, you know, their list is so big and not everyone reads their emails the day they come in, right? So, you know, you're going to get a bot- like a lot of people opening it right away, some the next day, some the next day, some then the bigger the list, the longer that tail will be. But also um, because those uh, concentrated sales boost your book up in the ranks, uh, you then get organic sales because of them. And those will be on the tail end, right? Because uh, that first day, it's not up in the ranks, but as those sales start pouring in from BookBub, you start rising up in the ranks. And then the next day and the next day and the next day, you're still sitting there in the top 100, top 50, top 20, whatever you wherever you got. Um, and then anyone shopping by, by uh, subcategory is going to see your book. And that's, that's really one of the reasons why, one of the main reasons why everyone wants those BookBub ads is because of that rank boost. How high up did, did it get you? Where were you? Do you remember where you were before and where you ended up? I can't remember the, the rank. I know, I know that I screenshot. Um, I was in front of Outlander and Harry Potter. So. <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh, I was having them. I mean, like, you know, for two days or something. But, um, yeah, I had to screenshot that. Harry Potter <laughs> is a time travel romance? No. It does have time travel, <laughs> the time turner. But it's fantasy. And I guess there's romance. <laughs> yeah, it's fantasy. Yeah. And it's portal fantasy. And it's low fantasy. Um so, and it, as you know, Harry Potter bleeds into a lot of categories where it really shouldn't be. Yeah. And the Amazon categories are a bit weird anyway. But Outlander done... for sure is, yeah. I know that that's time travel romance. So, I mean, and that's huge. They have a TV show so or a movie or whatever it is. So, you know, to get above them, even for a brief time, <laughs> to even get near them. It's <laughs> awesome, right? That, so, that's... yes, BookBub still works, I think, is the, um, even though people say it might not do. So it's been it's been a roller coaster ride. It really has. I think that's a very important thing to say. There are lots of people who say like Amazon ads don't work, Facebook ads don't work, and it's like for some people they don't work, but for other people they do work. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those things. I think it's very easy to dismiss things, but maybe they just didn't work for you or for me, so to speak. Right. Right. And I, I think that's the coming back to that idea that everybody's writing experience is different and their publishing experience is different. And what works for one person doesn't always work for another. But we still we we can learn from other people like you learn from the Dawson course. Um, I think that that probably is one of the things that allowed you to have such a strong start, even though, you know, at the very start, maybe it wasn't super strong, but you knew what you had to do. And and you you just, you know, maybe you thought, OK, my book is just going to sell. I won't have to advertise. And that's the way it was back when we started, you know, in 2013. Or something. <laughs> well, but it but it didn't last because partly because of Dawson, you know, he came out with his Facebook for uh, for authors course. And then all of a sudden, you know, Facebook ads became much more expensive and competitive and whatever. So it just became harder and harder. But but, you know, it, the industry was growing and there was more books and there's so much competition like you're. You know, you noted before is um, to get noticed. Now you have to do advertising and marketing. You just you you can't succeed without it, right? People just won't find you. It's just there's too many other books out there. Um, what I, w- I would say though, anybody um, watching this is on a budget. Um, 
pay uh, sort of paid ads are one thing, but there is stuff still out there which you can do for free. I know I said about social media, but TikTok, um, if you get yourself yeah. on TikTok, you don't have to show your face. You can just do these page flip things. Um, I call it the lottery app because um, it's not monetized yet. Um, everyone does the same sort of um, reels and videos and so on. Um, and then one person's plucked from obscurity and goes viral. And if they've got at their ducks in a row, that's really good. But they really aren't doing anything different from anybody else. So it's, it's like a, a bolt of lightning. That said, if you're getting 200 people looking at your um, video, that's still 200 people and it's for free. I know it's time consuming, but when you get used to it and and you've learned the platform, I can make a video in five minutes. Right. Um, The other social media thing I'd recommend, although I'm only just starting out on it, is Pinterest. It's not the same as the other platforms. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, your post goes out. It doesn't last for 24 hours. It's there for like two years, three years. People still see it in two or three years' time. And if you've got a book that's what I call got a lot of content, like a historical novel or something like that with a lot of uh, pretty pictures that people want to know about with little stories behind them, um, you can put stuff up on there and that that will drive traffic, I think. But it's it, it takes time, like everything, um, but it's free. Yeah, you know, it, it's really a good idea to just put your book in as many places as you can, right? It's it's You're creating different ways to get discovered different entry points to your career to yourself to your product page what have you um so yeah as many places as you can um whether they are long-term gain short-term gain you know because you never and you never know like you said what'll go viral we did that i don't know if you watched that podcast with uh with an author that did a tiktok um, and her book just, uh, ex- it exploded, right? She she had millions. She woke up the next morning to millions of, of uh, views, um, ended up, you know, at the bestseller list. She she was getting option for movies. Like, it, it, was, it was crazy, right? Um, and it was just a video she put together. She came home from the gym, did it in two takes, put it up just for, on a lark. And, and it wasn't even a new book. It was a book that had been out for a mm-hmm. couple of years. So, you know, you never know what's going to what's going to work. So you just got to keep throwing things at the wall and see what sticks. Right. But I think well, you I did think it you right. Have for, you have to pay for marketing one way or another. Either you pay yeah. for advertising with money or you pay for it with your time. Uh, and I guess the, the one thing is, if you are making enough money that you can put it in the background and get a return on your investment, you can that can work for you without you having to work for it. But I think it's the stuff people do especially on TikTok that is original and resonates with people. That's the really explosive stuff. I love, I love, um, you can make a joke and you can just, um, yeah, just make it funny. Um, and I find that the ones that do best have nothing to do with your book at all. You're just making a silly video. Um, and, and yeah, I, enjoy I think, it. yeah. And I think like you saying, there's a lot of videos that are the same where, you know, people are flipping through, but it's, it's, I think it's when you do something a little bit different, that's what's going to have more chance of catching somebody's eye and then going viral. But often, yeah, if you can add some humor into it or, or something that, you know, that is, that catches people's interest, uh, that's the ones that are going to have the most chance to, to go viral. For sure. Yeah. So unfortunately, it looks like we are running out of time. So Rosalind, we're going to have to, to cut the short. It's been a fascinating discussion, though. And uh, so I, I know it really has, but I found it really one of because, you know, what? it's in, interesting for a lot of people who don't know where to get started. And it's and also for people who are on the journey, maybe they've made a couple of mistakes. And it's like 
everyone makes mistakes on this journey. So it's so nice of you to come and allow yourself to be vulnerable and share this and then also have a an H-E-A, a happy ever after in that you've actually achieved, achieved success with it. So um, where can people go and find your books and find out more about you? Um, just Google um, rosalindtate.com at my website. And in fact, if you're just starting out, I've, d- I've got a four authors page. There's so much information out there on the internet. I've done a, a list of core resources. You can just work your way through them step by step um, and not go mad while you do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always the goal, isn't it? Uh, and Craig, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up? I just think that um what you did what you what you figured out was uh really well done really well thought out um i love these kind of episodes where we can do a sort of like a like a deep dive case study into an author and what they did and uh what their journey has been because i think every time that um other authors hear these stories and the more uh varied stories that they can hear the more that they can learn from them, the more they can realize that, you know, their path can be different or the same, but doesn't mean that, you know, they're not going to be successful. They are like, it's just, it's just the way it is, right? Everybody's path is going to be, is going to be a little bit different. Um, and, you know, you'll, you, you just, you just got to know the fundamentals and then go from there. So thanks for, for coming on and being so open and sharing your all your success and everything you've done and hopefully uh, it continues on with the next books thank you for having me <laughs> thank you so much rosalind for, for joining us we really really appreciate that and if you have appreciated what rosalind had to say make sure you drop a comment uh into where the, the youtube video whether you're listening to the podcast and let us know and also make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done already we really appreciate you supporting us thank you so much rosalind and we will be back next week with another episode of fully booked cheerio